Well, good afternoon. How are we doing today, East Cobb Church? Y'all doing good? Y'all have a good weekend? Yeah, good to see you, good to see you. Um, got a question for us to start this afternoon. Um, have you ever heard the story of Pheidippides? Probably not heard that name, but have you ever heard the story of Pheidippides, the famous Greek messenger who ran 26 miles to deliver the news of the victory at the Battle of Marathon over the Persians? In fact, he, uh, he ran 26 miles, delivered the message, and then died. And that's why we call it a marathon. And why I will never run one. I mean, goodness gracious. Or how about this famous messenger? Uh, y'all know this guy? Uh, anybody know who that is? Paul Revere famously rode to Lexington during the Revolutionary War to say that the British were coming. And uh, that, that's Paul Revere. Uh, or, I don't know, you probably haven't heard of, of this guy. Um, this is a World War II carrier pigeon. Yes, you heard that correctly. And his name is G.I. Joe, for real. And he flew 20 miles in under 20 minutes to warn some bombers or bring a message of warning to some bombers. They had the wrong target, saved thousands of lives. Uh, and, and then, of course, my favorite... Um, this guy, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, R2-D2. <laughs> I did a Google search, and um, it turns out that in both history and in fiction, both are full of famous messengers, whether it's people, animals, or droids, but who were, who were um, tasked with going to great lengths to deliver a message of great importance to people who really needed it. History and fiction are full of famous messengers, so if you, if you run marathons, or you're into war history, or you like Star Wars, you might have a head start on today's talk. We're in the middle of a series called um, Made for This. A series called Made for This, and we're exploring together this book in the Bible that's called Colossians. It was written by the Apostle Paul somewhere between 60 and 62 AD from a Roman prison to a church that was planted in the ancient city of Colossae. And the reason we're focusing on this particular book is because in it, Paul, in his writings, he answers one of the biggest questions that we all ask of our lives, no matter who we are. And it's this question right here. Why are we here? Why are we here? What is like my purpose for being on this planet, for walking around being alive on this planet? And he answers this question. And, and in this question, it's one of the most important ones you will ever answer about your life because why you think you're here, it impacts and it directs and it focuses how you live, which then in turn determines what you get out of and what others get out of your life and what you have to show for it. So that's what we've been doing on Sundays, um, finding or discovering three answers from Colossians to this question, why are we here? And if you're not a Christian, every single one of these answers is helpful for you as well because uh, underneath each answer is, in fact, a principle that can, you can apply to your life no matter what you believe, whether you follow Jesus or not. And we've gotten two out of the three answers so far. Um, the first answer, anybody remember the one word that we said? The first answer was what? Anybody? It was who. So the first answer was who, that you were not primarily made to do something. You were actually primarily made to know someone, that you were made to know God who, who made you and who loves you and wants a relationship with you. And we talked about that and how underneath that, there's a principle that should guide all of us, no matter what we believe, that your primary and highest purpose in life is always it's who and not what. And then the second answer was uh, this right here. The second answer was how. And when it comes to what you do in life, 
like where you work and what you spend your time doing, where you live and the life that you're building. God's primary concern is actually not what you do, but how you do whatever you do, that you would be great, good, and grateful, doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what we saw last Sunday. And again, a guiding principle for work and life that, that you can apply regardless of what you believe. So we've gotten those first two answers, who and how. And today, I want to finish off with the third one and the last one. And in order to get this last one to understand and apply it, we're gonna have to pivot a little bit because up to this point in the series, we have been focusing inwardly. We've been looking inwardly. Like, what should I do with my life? What's God, God, what's your will for my life? You know, what about like my job and my marriage and my family and my future and my plan for my, my, my life? And the truth, though, is if we're going to fully discover God's will for our lives, like really actually discover like fullness of God's plan for our life, then we're going to have to direct our eyes outward. We're going to have to look up for my life and my concerns and the questions I always ask about me. And we're going to have to tune in to something that involves the people around us. And I'm telling you, for many of you, this is going to be the one that you needed to hear. For many of you, this is going to be the one that you really needed to hear. Like, you know, when you're doing a puzzle, like at home or on vacation or with your kids and you get to the end of the puzzle and you got one piece missing and you're like, no, you know, it drives me crazy. What I want to tell you is that for many of you, this one, the third one, it's going to be the missing piece to your purpose. Some of you are genuinely going like, oh, like number one, I was made for God. Yeah, I knew that. And, and I have been growing or trying to grow my relationship with God for some time now. And, you know, I had my whatever. And it was a great reminder, but like I, I've spent some years trying to be great, good and grateful in what I do. But I still feel like maybe that there's something more. And maybe that's not complete. And today is in fact that something more. It's that final piece to your purpose, that final piece that has the potential to not only add purpose to your life, but leave a legacy from your life like nothing else really can. And, and though today's passage of scripture, as we're going to see, has a very specific application for those of us who are Christians, there is in fact, again, there's a principle underneath it that will enrich your life no matter what you believe. Because you can have your, your who and your how all figured out, but it's this final piece that I believe will ultimately determine the richness and the significance of your life. And it's found, and it's found in the fourth and final chapter of Colossians. And that's what I want to look at today. In fact, I'd love for you, if you have your Bible, a real one, I mean a hard copy or a, a real one, uh, or a digital copy on your phone, I'd love for you to flip open or scroll open to chapter four of Colossians because I want to show you something about this historical figure, Paul the Apostle, that maybe. You didn't know. And that's going to get us down the road today um, in our talk. So here's where we're going to pick up in chapter four. Paul is here. He's closing the letter. This is like the final chapter. This is the home stretch. And he says, hey, Colossians, as we're finishing up here, I would like for you to devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I'd love you to devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, hey, I'd like you to pray for something. Guys, I got a prayer request. And they're like, yeah, we've been like praying for your cat. And he's like, no, Fifi's fine. It's all good. Booby's totally healed. You know, this one's a little more important. I'm just kidding. It's not always talking about. Um, he says, no, this is a serious, it's kind of a big prayer request. And I'd like for you to pray for it. He says, I would like for you to pray for us. 
And this is what he says in the, in the next verse. He goes on, he says, and pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. <laughs> yeah, amen. Uh, now, I don't know if you caught it when I said it earlier, but uh, did you notice this little phrase here in the end, for which I am <laughs> in chains? Yeah, Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison, put there because of his faith. Now, let me just ask you, if you were in his shoes and you were in prison and you're like texting out prayer requests, what do you think prayer requests would be? Like, I know you have to think really hard, but see if you can come up with something. Like, what would you ask people to pray for? You'd be like, yeah, hey, would you pray that I get out of prison? That would be fantastic. Paul says, no, 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 that's not actually what I want you to pray for. I want you to pray for something else. I want you to pray for something very specific, something that was more important to Paul than anything else in his life. He says, I want you to pray that God would open a door for our message. I want you to pray for our message. That's what I want you to pray about, that, that our message would keep going out. It would keep getting to the people who it's meant for. And that right there, if you don't know much about Paul, that right there, it captures who the apostle Paul was. The apostle, one of the most defining things about Paul is that he was, he was a messenger on a mission. He was a messenger on a mission and he was so driven by this idea that he has a message to get across. He was so driven by this message that he gave up his life as a prominent and powerful Jewish religious leader and he spent the rest of his days as a poor missionary planting churches all around the Roman Empire. And with, I mean, every breath, every breath that Paul breathed, he breathed for this, this message, for this message. He would go to prison because of his message and he would ultimately give his life for it, executed by Rome just a few years after he wrote this very letter. And, and so this is what I wanted you to see, just for starters, about the Apostle Paul. He believed that he was like Philippides running from the Battle of Marathon. He believed, and by the way, billions of people since have agreed that he was like Paul Revere, or he was like you know, G.I. Joe, the American hero, World War II carrier pigeon. <laughs> he was, a, he was a, a messenger on a mission. He was called to go to great lengths to deliver a message of great importance to a people in great need. And this was his message. He says it. His message was what Paul called the mystery of Christ. Paul's message was the mystery of Christ. This supernatural, unexpected, unbelievable, hard to explain, but mind-bogglingly good thing that God was up to on our behalf. The mystery of Christ. Prophets of old had tried to describe it, tried to foretell it, but they could only see a shadow of it. That's why it remained a mystery for centuries. But then when it was finally revealed, oh, it was like way, 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 way better than anybody thought. This thing that God was up to the mystery of Christ. Here, to, to put it simply, here is what the mystery of Christ is. It's like this right here. We got this the other day at our house. This is a wedding invitation. Anybody got a wedding invitation recently? Uh, so I don't know what happens in your house when a wedding invitation arrives. Um, 
but this is kind of what happens in our house. It's funny that my wife and I have two very different responses. Like when Sarah gets the invitation, she's like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Like, look at the lace and like the pictures. Oh my goodness, you know? And I'm just literally, all I'm doing, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I scan it for who are they and do they know, I know them and where is it and will the food be good, you know? And then like, then maybe we'll go. Sarah is in before opening it. She's like, weddings are magical, we're going, you know? But, but that's, that's, that's like all of us. We love invitations. And not, not really just for the invitations themselves. We love invitations because they're our invite. They're our access. They're our ticket to something fun. Something that we like. Something that we want. Something that we need. Something that we can't wait to experience or be a part of. And that's why all of us, I mean, no matter who you are, we get a little bit excited when an invitation of any kind shows up in the mailbox. And uh, this... This is what Paul is talking about when he says the mystery of Christ. He's referring to the pretty cool truth that God has an invitation for you and for me. An invitation to something that we really want, something that we really need, something that we're really hoping for but not necessarily expecting to get. He's referring to the fact that God is inviting us to what Jesus called Life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. Jesus said it this way, I have come. Hey, the whole reason that I'm here on the planet is that you may have life and you may have it to the, to the fullest. So I'm here so that you may find the life you were made to live, the, the life that you're looking for. Like, like whatever words you would use to describe what your heart is looking for and what your soul is longing for and what your mind is searching for, Jesus says, I've come to give you that. The version of your life where things are as they should be, where you are who you should be and want to be, where the world is as it should be. A, a life that begins in the here and now but continues on in eternity. And a life that once God has done giving it to you, once he's done like building it out, it will surpass even your dreams in both quality and quantity. That's the mystery of Christ. It's an invitation from God to life to the fullest. And Paul says, that's the message I'm carrying. It's like, hey, you wanna, know, you wanna know what message I'm carrying? That's what I'm carrying. An invitation from our creator to more life, to the life that you're looking for, no matter who you are. That's the message that I'm carrying. I'm carrying your invitation. I'm carrying it. And that's why it's such a big deal to me. That's why it's worth prison. That's why it's worth suffering. That's why it's worth getting rejected. That's why it's worth ultimately everything that I have to offer. Because this invitation, Paul would say, this invitation, it didn't come cheap. It came at a great cost. It was paid for and it was made possible by Jesus. Why do I say that? Well, that's what Paul's been talking about this whole letter. Like if you're new to church or new to the Bible and you've been reading along, it was all that weird language, you remember that? About Jesus in like chapter one and chapter two. Because right after, if you remember week one, right after he says that we were made by and for Jesus, he makes this observation right here. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness 
Dwell in him, Jesus. In other words, Jesus is fully God. Like he's not 50% man, 50% God. He wasn't a man that God later just indwelled with power or whatever. No, no, he's like 100% God that uh, came and took on flesh and walked the earth because God's purpose was through him, through him right here, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And he did that by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This was back in chapter one where we started. This invitation, Paul says, didn't come cheap. Uh Uh-uh. It came at great cost. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus. And that was necessary because all things, whether things in heaven or things on earth and all people, whether we're talking about you or me or everybody in our community needed this right here, needed reconciliation, needed a bringing back to God. I've, I've, I've told you this before. Uh, you know how in all of our epic stories, how there's a similar story arc? Go to any epic story in movies or in books or, 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 or whatever, and you're gonna see the same similar story arc, that everything is great and as it should be, but then it is lost or ruined or destroyed. And then the rest of the story is a quest to get it back, to undo what has been done. And the reason that that theme is in every single one of our stories is because it actually is our story. Like as a species, like as humanity, this is our story made by and for God to have life to the fullest, but then lost to him. And now needing and looking for a way back. And whereas in, you know, other stories, the cause of this loss is like the Galactic Empire or Sauron or a natural disaster or a tragic accident. In our story, we were the architects of our own fall because we were the ones who brought sin into the world. And I know you might be going like, ooh, that's a, like a scary church word. Like, hmm, sin? Who else sins? Satan? You're gonna join him, huh? You know? <laughs> I'm telling you, sin, that's not a scary word. It's not even that strange. In every single story you've ever read, there's good and evil. And sin is simply that. Sin is evil. Sin is, it's, it's, it's any time you do something that, that, that falls into the category or tips into the side of evil or whatever word you prefer, that falls into the category of bad or unwise or ungodly or, or wrong or whatever. And we all do it. We all sin. I mean, we know that we do, right? I mean, because not only does every single one of us have uh, moments almost every single day when we violate God's standard for what is good and right, we also, all of us, have moments almost every single day when we violate our own standard of what is good and right, you know? Our consciences are all the evidence that we need. But of course, if you need more, just go raise a child or go turn on the news, right? I mean, to be clear, yeah, there is staggering brilliance and beauty and honor and wonder and and, and nobility and heroism in humanity. But there's also darkness. And you know it. Because you know your own. And you've seen the worlds for sure. You've seen the worlds. And it's been that way since the beginning. It's been that way since the very beginning. Adam and Eve were our happy beginning. They were the first 15 minutes of every story where everything is as it should be. They lived with God and they had life to the fullest with him. 
But then they believed the lie that they were better off on their own. And they tried to replace God. They tried to supplant God. They traded God for self. And when they did that, literally all hell broke loose. Because that's what sin is. Do you know that? That's what evil at its core actually is. It is a sickness of self. It's loving me and choosing me and serving me and exalting me over God and over you. That's what sin is. That's what evil is. And that's how our story fell apart. That's how evil and and how all those things like murder and violence and oppression and abuse and injustice and racism and anxiety and fear and sickness and disease and death came into our world. I mean, we literally called this, this, this moment, we call it the fall. And it's our version of when Thanos snapped his fingers, right? Or when Emperor Palpatine ordered execute order 66 or when goose ejected from the the canopy and hit the glass or when Nemo got taken by the divers. It's our equivalent of that in our story. It was the moment that we were lost to God because we once belonged to him and our future was life to the fullest with him. But now we've been taken captive by another. We've been taken captive by sin and our future was death because sin is a terminal disease. So that's the story. And in this moment, God has this choice to make. It's, what's he gonna do? He could have let us go, thrown his hands up in anger and given up on us. Or he could have waited with his arms crossed, you know, leaving it to us to fix what can't be fixed and cure what can't be cured with human hands. But he didn't do that. Because he loves us. Because he loves you. He loves you so much because he's your father. And so he did what any good father would do and he came to our rescue. And so he sent his son, Jesus, the son that Paul talked about in chapter one, if you've been reading along. And he sent Jesus to put on flesh and walk the earth so that he could do the unthinkable. So that he could do something so amazing and so unbelievable and so unexpected that it would feel like a mystery of God. He sent Jesus to trade places with us. Parents, you ever been like with your kids and one of your kids was complaining so much about where they were sitting, you know, like at the table or at the movies or at a sporting event. You're like, oh my gosh, fine. Let's switch places, you know? You sit in my good seat. I will sit in your so terrible seat and you switched places, right? You ever done that? That's exactly what happened to us. God put on flesh and he says, hey, I'll switch with you. And that is why, if you've ever wondered this, that is why Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead. You know the story of Easter? That's what was happening. That's what Jesus was doing. He was switching places with us. On the cross, Jesus took our sin and he died our death saying, here, I'll take yours. And then with his resurrection, he gave us his sinlessness and his life, like his eternal, those who have it, rise from the dead kind of life, saying, here, you take mine. Jesus switched places with all of humanity and he traded our sin for his perfection, our death for his life. And and that, that is how Jesus rescued a people who were lost and how he made reconciliation possible. 
how he made restoration possible, how he made healing possible, how he made love possible and forgiveness possible and hope possible, how he made life and life to the fullest possible again for us. He loved you so much and he wanted you so much that he paid for your invitation to life to the fullest with his blood. And now we get it. Or at least we should. Now we understand what in the world Paul's talking about. Like why he's got this weird prayer request. Why he's not even asking to get out of prison. Why he's so intense. Why he's so focused. Why he's so willing to lay down his life. I mean, he, he tells us. He says, this is the gospel, the good news, the invitation that you heard, Colossians. And by the way, that has been proclaimed, it's been offered and extended to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. He's like, hey, you wanna know why I'm so committed? You wanna know why I'm so passionate? You wanna know why I'm like a messenger on a mission, like a madman? Here's why, because there's an invitation from God to everybody on the planet to trade death for life, to trade sin for righteousness, to trade being lost to God for being a child in his house. Are you kidding me? And God has entrusted that message to me. I'm carrying your invitation. What else could I do but deliver it? I mean, this is way bigger than like a Philippides guy. This is way bigger than Paul Revere. It's way bigger than G.I. Joe, the American hero, carrier pigeon. I mean, the most important message in all of history, Paul's saying, is God has literally put in my hands. And th that's why I became his servant. That's why I built my life around it. That's why I'm going to all these links. That's why I'm willfully in prison. You know, I've led myself here. That's why I'm willing to give my life because it's the only appropriate response. It's the only appropriate response when you're holding somebody else's invitation to life. It's like I'm a messenger on a mission. So, pray for me. So pray for me. Pray for me that God may open a door for our message so that I may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. I'm not asking you to pray for God to get me out. I'm asking you to pray for God to use me in because there's still some people in this prison that haven't heard yet and I'm gonna deliver their invitation personally. So you just pray for that. Man, what a little passage. I love this little passage. And I wanted to read it to you today because my friends, that's answer number three to the question, why are we here? Why are you here? Why did God put you on the planet? Number one was who, number two was how, and number three is why. Because God's up to something in the world. He's got a message, he's got an invitation and his purpose for you and for me is that we would join him in getting it out, that we would join him in delivering the invitation from God to the life that we're all looking for, to life to the fullest. And that's what I hope that we will wake up to today. This truth right here, that the purpose of your life is bigger than your life. The purpose of your life, it's bigger than your life your life. God's purpose for you is to do something through you. 
And I think that God is inviting us all today to like lift our eyes, to look up, and take our eyes that tend to look inward when we ask about God's plan for our lives and our will for our lives, and to direct them outward at a world that needs life to the fullest just as much as we do. They just might not have gotten their invite yet. Or maybe somebody tore it up when they were younger, or maybe life stamped it out of them but for whatever reason they've missed, or they've forgotten, or they've misunderstood the ending to the greatest story in human history, Jesus coming to take our place, to trade our death for his life. And they've missed it. But all is not lost. You know why? Christians, listen to me. Because you and I are standing nearby with an invitation. God's invitations come with extras. They're like shoved in the envelope. So it's okay because you and I are standing nearby with an invitation. And my hope today is that we would feel the same burden that the apostle Paul did. We would feel that, that, that sense of, oh my gosh, there's an invitation from God to the whole planet to find life to the fullest in Jesus' name. And God has entrusted it to me. Like he's entrusted it to us, East Cobb Church. We've been entrusted with somebody else's invitation and my hope is that we would join Paul in becoming its servant. Join him in being determined to deliver it because it's answer number three to why you're here. You are here to be a messenger on a mission. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is the missing piece, y'all. For a lot of us, this is the missing piece. You sitting there going, yeah, I got number one, my relationship with God. I got number two, like what I'm doing in the world, but I still feel like there's something more that I could do. And the answer is yes, you can. The missing piece for your purpose is to pass it on. Let me say that again. The missing piece for many of you to your purpose is to pass it on, to pass on what God has done for you, to pass on this invitation from Jesus that's forever changed your life so that it can forever change somebody else's life. It's the number one why of, what, of everything God does in the world. He is a messenger on a mission and he has invited you, but not just that, he has made you to join him in getting this message out and being a messenger on a mission. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, I told you that this was for you too. And here it is. This principle is for you too. You wanna add purpose and you wanna find more purpose in your life, then build your life in such a way that it's about more than you. Build your life and tool your life, not just so that it does something for you, build and tool it to do something through you. You know what I mean? Like what message are you dying to get out? What's the legacy that you're dying to leave? What's the life that you hope to help others find? What's the difference you hope to make? What's the blessing you hope to pass on? Make passing it on the purpose of your life. It's the missing piece. All you have to do is study successful people to find that me-centered wealth and me-centered power and me-centered fame is always, always an empty shell. It's a shallow well. It's a false summit in life. Why? Because the purpose of your life is bigger than your life. So my encouragement to you is to take this principle and go complete the puzzle for you. So this is for all of us, like no matter who you are. Paul, the apostle, he was a messenger on a mission and he is urging us, no matter who we are and what we believe, he's urging us to make the purpose of our life bigger than our life. But specifically, specifically for those of us who are Jesus followers, those of us who are Christians, Paul is urging us to make the purpose of our life this message 
called The Mystery of Christ and to go be a messenger on mission, on a mission. Which of course begs the question, what does that mean? (laughs) How do I do that? What would that look like? What are we actually talking about here? Can we take it from like the, you know, 10,000 foot and actually like practically on the ground level, like what would that look like? And sure enough, Paul's aware of that. He foresaw that. He gave the Colossians two really simple ways that they could pass on the invite of Jesus to the world around them. And I think they're two great starting points for us today. They're not the only two, but I think they're two great uh, starting points for us today. And so here, here, here's what he says. Um, he, the very, very next verse, he says, be wise in the way, like, hey, you wanna do what I've just been talking about? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And that's like people that self-identify as not being in the church, not like, ew, outsiders. That's not kind of outside. That's not what that word means. Um, make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way that you act in the world. I was like, hey, you wanna pass on the invitation of Jesus? Well, start here. Number one, do it with your conduct. Go live in a way that is irresistibly good and godly. Go live and, by the way, love where you live in a way that it itself delivers the invitation of Jesus. Jesus thought that was like real power in how you lived your life. He said, when you let your light shine in the world, in front of others, they notice and they glorify your Father in heaven. I said this over and over again. It was his keynote sermon, one of the biggest lines from it. So I think Jesus would say like, hey, you wanna pass on the invite the mystery of Christ, you wanna pass on the invitation from God to the world? Well, start here, number one, go do that. Go do that, go be like a walking advertisement for the grace and the mercy and the freedom and the power and the wisdom and the life of Jesus. Let, you, let, the, let the goodness that you display when you get it right, and by the way, the grace that you fall on when you get it wrong, let both of those be an invitation to the world to lean in and go, what in the world is up with that? Be an invitation to ask questions, an invitation to wonder what's going on. Number one, go pass on the invite by how you live, by your your conduct. But then he gives us a second one. He says this, and let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. You want to pass on the invitation of Jesus? It's that word right there. I'll just write it again. Conversation. Drop breadcrumbs of the grace of God into your everyday conversation. I love that. Drop breadcrumbs of the grace of God. Let your conversation be full of grace. Drop breadcrumbs of the grace of God into your everyday conversation. He's not talking about a speech. He's not talking about a sermon. He's just talking about seasoning right here, like salt. It's like, hey, intentionally season your everyday conversations with family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, whoever, with the grace of God. Of Jesus. Just a little seasoning. I mean, for example, it could be an unexpected word of encouragement to a coworker. It could be a casual remark about something you've been praying for and how God came through for you. It could be a, as you go reference to something you learn in church in a series that turned out to be really helpful. I mean, things like that would be like salty conversation, not the the bad kind, the, the, the biblical kind. But you know one other thing that I think we should make a part of our everyday conversation, like a habit in our everyday conversation? Inviting people to church. 
you'd ask me, hey, Jamie, how can I like sprinkle in grace and the invite of Jesus to my everyday conversation, I would say this is one of the number one ways. I would love for you and I to have the courage and the discipline to make inviting people to church just a habit of our everyday conversation. Like we got the mega awesome costume party coming up and you're hanging on the sidelines of your kid's sporting event, talking with the parents that you kind of know, and you just say, hey, by the way, what are y'all doing on Saturday? This is a bit of the avenue. You should come with us. It's gonna be awesome. It was incredible last year. Or I don't know, you're sitting by the pool and we happen to be in the middle of a series that's like so practical. You don't even have to be like, ever been to church to be like, that was really helpful. And you just, in passing, you say, hey, what you guys doing on Sunday? You should come sit with us at church. Your kids will love it, I promise. Or you're getting your haircut, having that awkward haircut banter, you know? So, <laughs> um, it's like having an Uber driver. Uh, and you just go, hey, what I heard you just tell me about something going on in your life. Yeah, you should come to my church. My church is so helpful. Maybe it'll help you. It's help me. Go season your conversation with the invitation of Jesus. And that's what Paul says. He just says, like, start there. You want to pass on the invite of Jesus, start with your conduct and your conversation. That's a great starting point. Sure, it'll get, it could get bigger. You could get evolved, you know? Maybe you'll have a chance to share your story one day with somebody of what Jesus has done in your life, you know, kind of like we do with baptism, or maybe you'll have a chance to have a deep theological conversation, you know, or hey, maybe you'll even give a presentation at some point, do it kind of what I do, and like Paul, and proclaim, you know, maybe you'll do that, and that would be incredible, but Paul says, start there, start right here, though, with your conduct and your conversation. Why? Because you're holding somebody else's invitation you're holding someone else's invitation as God, and God's asking you to pass it on, to deliver it on his behalf. And so I'd love to challenge every single one of us who is a Christian in this room, I would love to challenge you this week to consider your conduct and conversation. Do an inventory of your conduct and conversation and maybe, maybe decide to step up your conduct and season your conversation a little bit more this week than you did before. Because it's how you could maybe pass on an invitation to somebody. So go do it. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, I'm not expecting you to do this. I'm not expecting you to, you know, pass on an invitation from God to anyone. No. But I, I do want to make sure that you leave here with yours. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta make sure that you at least walk out of here with yours. Right? I mean, how in the world could I say all this and not just double check? I just want to make sure that you walk out of here with your invitation. Because God's gone to great lengths to deliver it to you. And maybe it's hitting your radar screen for the first time today. Or maybe it's been a little kind of simmering in your soul, in your heart for a minute. Well, it's kind of hitting your radar screen in a big way today. Like maybe you're waking up to the fact that long before you've been thinking about God, he's been thinking about you. Long before you cared about God, he's cared about you. And long before you wanted anything to do with him, he's wanted you. And long before you loved or liked God, he has loved you so much. Long before you've ever invited God to do anything in your life, he's been inviting you to grab a hold of life to the fullest. And I think today he's like leaning in, looking at you going, hey, 
Do you want to trade? Do you want to trade? Do you want to trade your sin for my righteousness? You want to trade your hurt for my healing? You want to trade your chains for my freedom? Your guilt for my forgiveness? You want to trade your anxiety for my peace? Do you want to trade your instability for my unshakability? Do you want to trade your self-hatred for my love? Do you want to trade your past for my future? You want to trade your death for my life? You can. You can. It's already all been arranged by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the invitation's on the table. Your heavenly father's going, do you want to trade? Maybe the day needs to be the day. Maybe the day needs to be the day where you go, yeah, okay. Yeah, I do. And you come home to your heavenly father. Maybe the day needs to be the day where you say yes to the invitation of Jesus on your life. And if that's something that's happening in your heart right now, shoot, I just wanted to give you a chance to do it. I remember the day somebody gave me the chance to do it and it's the greatest day of my life. And so I just wanted to extend you the same favor. I'd love to give you a chance to say yes to the invitation of Jesus today, right here. And I think one of the best ways to do that is just to talk to him, to pray. And so I'm gonna actually pray to Jesus, to God, a prayer of saying yes to his invitation. And if that's something you'd like to do, I'd love for you in your your like heart, in your mind, you know, just silent. I'd love for you just to pray along with me if that's you. And by the way, some of you Christians in the room, I, I, I gotta say this real quick. Some of you who are Christians in the room might need to join in. And here's why I say that. Some of you might've been like me when I was growing up. Like you've been coming to church a while and you've been doing the church thing, but you know you've never actually done this. Like you go to church, but you've never said yes. Like you can't remember. Have I ever even said yes to the invitation of Jesus in my life? Have I ever literally let Jesus switch places with me and trade my death for his life, my sin for his righteousness? And if that's you, oh, I just wanna tell you, please don't settle. Don't settle for just coming to church. Don't settle for just coming to church knowing Jesus is too awesome. Belonging to him is too incredible. The life that you have in him is too mind-blowingly awesome to settle for just coming to church. Say yes to Jesus. So maybe you two need to join in. I don't know, but you do. So I love, you know, every, all of us right now, just getting like the position, whatever you do to pray. You can close your eyes. You can stare off into space. I'll close mine so we don't make awkward eye contact while this is happening. Um, <laughs> but let's pray. And if you'd like to say yes to the invitation of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray along with me right now. Let's just say, hey, heavenly father, I'm saying yes to your invitation. Just tell him that. I'm saying yes to your invitation. I'm saying yes to your invitation. What Jamie's saying, what that guy's saying about Jesus, that he came to trade places with us, my death for your life, my sin for your perfection, I believe it. I believe it and I want it. Just tell him that. Just say, I believe it and I want it. I believe it and I want it. I want your life to the fullest. Just tell him that. I'm saying yes to life to the fullest. I'm saying yes to the invitation. Father, I thank you so much for anybody in this room saying yes to that for the first time. And 
by the way, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you invited me, that you moved heaven and earth. You gave your son to invite me. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And I'm just so grateful for your love for me and your plan for my life. And I pray that all of us in this room tonight, today would, would experience the life that you have for us that you've made possible through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So we just thank you and we're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.